This episode of Popular Mechanics' Most Useful Podcast Ever is brought to you by Braintree. If you're working on a mobile app and searching for a simple payment solution, check out Braintree. With one simple integration, you can offer your customers every way to pay, period. To learn more and for your first $50,000 in transactions fee-free, go to braintreepayments.com useful. the scariest things about living in New York City in the summer is that you're constantly being dripped on. And you can never be sure if it's rain or someone else's sweat or air conditioner condensation, or worse, humidity that collects on the ceiling of the subway station and then drips on your face. Basically, the only way to get away from all that is to just stay inside or to join the mass exodus from the city to get to real water, the beach or a river or a lake. So on this episode of our podcast, we looked into tips that could improve either situation. We asked a sculptor in North Florida how to make a stand-up paddleboard you can ride on waves or flat water. And then we learned about hacking an air conditioning window unit to fit an outdated electrical system. And then, because we're going a little stir-crazy in here, we made up a game show slash drinking game to figure out how handy our editors are and used it to test a brand new iPhone-mounted breathalyzer. I'm your host, Jacqueline Detweiler. This is the most useful podcast ever, and it's really hot. I'm going to go get a popsicle. Paddleboarding is a pretty great sport. It's like surfing if you didn't have to swim out past breakers or actually catch waves or do that push-up move to stand while you're in the middle of a giant mass of rushing water. To do it, all you need is kind of a large light board about 9 to 14 feet long and a paddle. You can buy a stand-up paddleboard for about $1,000. But we're into making our own stuff over here at Popular Mechanics, so we recently asked Bucky McMahon, a sculptor and a writer who's been surfing for almost 40 years, if it would be possible to build your own stand-up paddleboard. He jumped right into it. He spent about 80 hours watching YouTube videos and then went and talked to some experts at his local surf shop. And in the end, he kind of came up with his own method for building a stand-up paddleboard out of a sheet of foam. And he's going to tell us how to do it. Bucky, thanks for joining us. So what I wanted to talk to you about today is uh, is the project that you did for us. I know it was kind of, you have been into surfboard design for a long time, but I, I got the sense that this was, I mean, it sounded intimidating to me even to just go out and build yourself a stand-up paddleboard. What were what were the things about it that were the most intimidating to you? I was hesitant. Um, a stand-up paddleboard is it's, it's awfully big. I was didn't know exactly where I was going to uh, build my surf shop, so to speak. You almost you know the sheer length of the board, the volume, the fact that I'd never built a regular surfboard, and I know that a, a stand-up paddleboard or a sup is is the granddaddy of surfboards. There were a lot of ways to do it badly, and I, I didn't want to didn't want to make a monster. I didn't want Franken Frankenboard. So how did you start? Are you were you watching just random YouTube videos, or did you talk to anybody that was an expert at a surf shop? I went to the Surf Source. It's it's a, a shop in Atlantic Beach, Florida, and they sell surfboard making supplies to local surf shapers. Uh, finding that was a big step forward because I I thought I was just going to work online and find a, a supplier for a blank and wait. And can you can you describe for me briefly what a what a blank is? Yeah, a blank is a long rectangle of foam. Uh, this, the one that I bought, is 10 feet 4 inches long, about 5 inches thick. It has a uh, stringer through the middle, which is a piece of lightweight wood, because uh, otherwise the foam of those dimensions would have a tendency to snap in the middle under wave pressure. And it, it had a slight rocker, which is the curve, uh, like in a, in a canoe or any kind of boat where you know the prow is higher than the, than the uh, stern, so that it'll rise over the water naturally. The other option was to buy foam panels at the Home Depot and glue them together, which would have been, I think, a, would have made an inferior product and would have been a lot more work. Right, right. But, yeah, that's but a little cheaper. How would somebody who wants to try to do this know what shape would be good for them? That's, that was a question that I gave a lot of thought 
big questions is how much experience you have, and if you have none, then you're not going to need much in the way of, an, of any kind of advanced design, and what kind of surf you're going to ride. If you're going to be taking it to uh, a Hawaii or demanding reef break, you're going to need a little bit more speed, but for someone who's just going to be playing around, as I do generally, you know, on the east coast of America, there's plenty of flotation and rounded uh, rails, rounded nose, you can have a rounded tail, the whole thing can just be egg-shaped and you'll be fine. Right. And I wanted a wide, rounded nose because um, I like to go to the tip, as they say, <laughs> and nose ride. Right, uh, hang ten, isn't that? Isn't that what they say? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if I if I can ever get there, I'm I'm always trying. <laughs> you learned that a few years ago. I I didn't know what hang ten meant, and people were like, "Yeah, you're, it's your toes. You hang your ten toes over there." And I was like, "What?" Yeah, it works somehow. <laughs> I mean, it's the physics of the wave, the, the breaking curl holding the back of the board. That's wild. Um, so, okay, so can you describe what you did? You get the board, that you start just uh, scraping it down and, and rounding it off, and then, and then what do you do? You want to you have a template of some kind so you're not uh, eyeballing your big cuts. Uh, you're going to be losing a lot of foam initially, and you want to make sure you're doing that in the right spot. So I uh, borrowed a, a sup that I liked and made a rough template out of that by tracing it on roofing felt as opposed to buying a wooden template. So I made a, a full half board, cut it out of the, out of the felt, and laid it, uh, that onto the blank and traced it and then cut it with a pull saw. And I didn't find that particularly difficult to do. You just want to follow your line. Mm-hmm. Careful. Mm-hmm. One, and then you have a, a, a surfboard-shaped object with flat rails. It's way too thick still, and it wouldn't ride very well if you were to go straight to the lamination. So then the next step was to decide how to do the actual shaping. Well, that's where I did, I did a lot of research on the pros and the cons of, of whether or not to invest in a, a planer or not. Uh, a planer spews out a cloud of foam, and that was something that would be very difficult to contain, and I didn't want to turn my yard into a what looked like a ski slope. Mm-hmm. I ended up borrowing a technique from woodworking that I've, I've done. Where I've made uh, numerous wooden sculptures, and I'll, I'll take a skill saw and just score it and then make vertical cuts with an axe. And uh, that's a, it's a pretty crude method, but I found uh, with the foam cutting so well with that saw, I could do a delicate version of that kind of uh, surgery and make those vertical cuts into the deck and then come at them laterally and lift off long sections of foam that were easy to put into the trash can as opposed to trying to vacuum up. And that really wasn't, uh, I don't think anyone's ever done that before. <laughs> I, I was, nobody mentioned it online, but I, I, I swear by it. Yeah. It sounds a lot kind of like chainsaw carving. Quite a bit. Yeah. Only. Yeah. Slower and quieter. <laughs> Slower yeah. and more foam. And then what? Well, and then that's when you uh, have to start thinking about your rail shapes. Um, I did invest in a, a rail carving tool. And the ra- Sorry, the uh, rails are the sides? The rails are the sides, okay. yes. Um, you, you want them to be, be uniformly rounded. You want identical hemispheres on either side of the, of the blank. So it's... Time to you know go slowly and measure as you go. What I've heard and what I seem to remember from talking to you is that the making it glassing it, making it water safe or waterproof is the hard is the real hard part. It was it was for me, and I think it, it's something that uh, a lot of people might be reluctant to undertake. Uh, it's a little bit time pressure. You can shape as slowly as you like, but with the, the laminating, you have the dry time of the epoxy to work with, and once you mix the hardener and with the 
epoxy, then you're, you've got like 30 minutes or so to get the whole thing done. And with a SUP, that's quite a bit of deck area. Oh, right. So the bigger size actually makes it more, makes it harder. Uh, quite, a, quite a bit, I think. It's, every foot must add some magnitude of, of difficulty to it. Right, and so you, you put down fiberglass. And I actually didn't realize that fiberglass was like a rolled, you just, you, you buy like fiberglass cloth. Is that how it works? Yeah, just like any other kind of fabric. It comes in rolls and uh, you unroll it, drape it over your board and takes the scissors to it, cut the part that you want and the resin on the middle and work towards the nose and towards the tail and it stays in place, becomes uh, completely saturated and becomes translucent and disappears. It's quite visually beautiful to watch if ever if you had the confidence and the leisure to enjoy it i could see how it could become pleasant <laughs> so how did it, how did it turn out have you have you ridden it yet i have i haven't uh, haven't gotten the swell the uh, the hurricane swell that we really need on the east coast i mean hope we'll get a nice cooperative tropical depression uh that won't hurt anybody but it'll give us some some really good waves but i've only ridden it in these little uh micro tubes and it's uh there's no real test of it. I think it's um, I think it's going to be great because it's lightweight. It's right about at the perfect point of flotation for me. And my fear is that it may it may break in a big swell because it is so light. And you, you never gain lightness without sacrificing strength. But we'll see. Right. Right. Well, so that's coming. Unfortunately for the east coast of Florida, the hurricane swell test is coming. It is coming. It always will. It yeah. always will. Well, great. Well, thank you so much for talking to me. Um, congratulations on your new board. I have seen photos. I think it looks great. Um, and I uh, wish you the best of luck with it. Thank you, Jackie. It was a pleasure talking to you. So, Roy, you were giving uh, an impromptu class on electricity the other day. It made me think, actually, I live in this old apartment in Brooklyn, and we have this air conditioner. So there are only two-prong outlets in my room, and that's where we need the air conditioner because that's where it's hottest and I'm trying to sleep. And we got on Amazon and bought a converter that will convert a three-prong plug into a two-prong outlet. And I'm wondering, is that bad? Am I going to light my room on fire? (laughs) Well, let's hope not. Well, like, but does the uh, but does the, does that third prong matter in terms of this? Yeah, sure. I mean, the third prong is a safety uh, feature that using a two prong adapter will negate. In the in the strictest sense, it's not safe. Do people do it? Have I done it? Yeah. I mean, people are forced into this situation where you need to call an electrician to have your electrical system upgraded. But it's expensive right. uh, to do that, especially in an apartment building. I don't want to. I don't want to make it sound like two-prong electrical systems are inherently unsafe mm-hmm. because they're not. Mm-hmm. Is a three-prong system better? Yes, it is. So if I do this to my if I do this to my air conditioner, I'm kind of reverting. Like my air conditioner is in the 1950s, and the rest of my apartment is now. <laughs> it's, well, that's, it's, that's, that's it's 1950s safe in my in my bedroom, but the rest of my apartment's 2015. Yeah, I mean, that's that's one way to look at it. Exactly right. What you've done is you've taken a modern appliance and you've dialed back its safety, so now it's operating in a narrower band. Okay, I can do another. Thanks, Roy. That, um, that was awesome. I think that I will probably not do it. Maybe I'll stick with the one in my living room for now, um, but maybe I'll talk to my landlord. You never know. I mean, maybe you'll go for it. <laughs>
episode of Popular Mechanics Most Useful Podcast Ever is brought to you by Braintree. We talked to people who are making stand-up paddleboards on this episode, but if you're working on an app to schedule boat tours or surfboard rentals, or if you've got a high-tech beach shack where people pay for pina coladas using Apple Pay, why not use Braintree to manage your payments? It's easy, and your customers can use whatever method they want to pay you while you go lay under a palm tree. Braintree is the payment solution used by companies like Uber, Airbnb, Hotel Tonight, Living Social, and Munchery. Braintree's made the payment experience in these apps pretty seamless, and now you can add a similar experience to your own app. With excellent customer service and simple integration, Braintree gets you ready to receive payments quickly. To learn more, and for your first $50,000 in transactions free of fees, go to braintreepayments.com useful. Uh, so we are here uh, again at the Popular Mechanics uh, testing roundtable. We have all three of our associate editors here who are all testing very different things, uh, one of which we are going to test today in the office with a Are You Handy quiz that was developed by my co-host Roy, who uh, is, is so good at um, handy stuff that we're probably all going to fail. Um, so with us now, we have uh, Kevin Dupsik, who is testing a trash can that we'll talk to us about. Kevin, hi. Hi, Jackie. Um, we also have Matt Goulet, who has tested a very strange bracelet for us. Uh, Matt Goulet, hi, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. And then we have uh, Alex George, who is our tech editor, who um, has been testing also something that uh, we're going to get drunk for. Alex, welcome. That's correct. Thank you. Uh, okay, so let's start with you, Matt. You have a bracelet that is very handy, um, and it is also very fashionable, <laughs> or maybe not. Uh. That's debatable, but it is very handy, very useful. Uh, supposedly, this is the Leatherman tread, uh, so it's probably the people who make your Leatherman uh, multi-tool that everyone has in their back pocket on the weekend and is supposedly the most useful thing you have in your pocket. This purports to be the most useful thing you can have on your wrist. So it's a linked bracelet that kind of clasps on and off like a watch, and it comes with 29 different tools on it, including a bottle opener that functions okay. Um, but you also have a bunch of screwdrivers, hex wrenches, things like that. Have you tried it? Does it actually work? You try, you just tried to open a beer with it, right? Yeah, so I mean, I, it's, the problem with uh, the life I live is that nothing I do on a regular basis demands screwdrivers that often. Uh, <laughs> I had it on during the weekend, which mostly comp- consisted of drinking beer and, and watching Austin Powers, and <laughs> so I didn't get that much use out of it. But... Knowing it was there was very nice, and, and you couldn't help but feeling it was there. It's super heavy. It's about uh, 5.9 ounces, they say, so you can feel the heft on it, and you, you feel like a badass. So my question is, do you have to take it off to use every one of the tools? Yes. And you would think like the idea of it kind of clasping on and off your wrist would make it like more convenient, or you know, just be like, oh, like it's right here. But it's kind of the movement of taking it off, finding your link that you want to find the tool for, and setting it up is like a little bit more work than just pulling a Leatherman out of your pocket and flipping open. You know, every single time I've ever had anything like that, I go around hoping for an opportunity to actually yeah, use it. Yeah, yeah. Like I've had a leather letter opener for better part of two decades. Never, ever, ever <laughs> once been able to use it. Someday, what, how do you uh, open your letters? <laughs> oh, I do it, and then I forget that I have it. I'm like, <laughs> oh, oh no, I missed opportunity. <laughs> and as I would feel with this thing, I would be soliciting for chances to install, yeah. you know, air conditioning units for people or replace batteries or something like that. Well, there's like a carbide glass breaker on here and I mean just I was just wishing to get like trapped into a car <laughs> yeah. over the weekend that was <laughs> falling in the Hudson River and come on like I can use it. Called Jason Bourne. Yeah, and it you just, could rent a car and make that the, happen. The opportunity did not present itself. 
Um, okay, so let's uh, on that on that delightful note. <laughs> I'm gonna move on to Kevin Dupsick, who has been testing a trash can uh, of some sort. I don't I don't know what is involved in tra- testing a trash can, but we're gonna find out. So, Kevin. Well, I pretty much live my normal life. I just put my trash in a different container now. Um, <laughs> what I'm actually what I'm testing is this garbage can, uh, and it's called Totem uh, by this brand, Joseph Joseph. And I have to say, so it's it's pretty tall. It's a little taller than like your average trash can you'd pick up at Target or something. It's uh, it's metal, and it has a couple of different compartments in it. And I'm I'm actually really impressed by it because I didn't realize how many things were annoying about garbage until I had this. So it has different compartments because so many cities now, and I, I mean I do live in Brooklyn, but force you to separate glass from cardboard, from paper, from compost. Um, so it allows you to kind of configure how you want. So I have like a compost bin that sits inside of the main trash. But they also did things like they have small cutouts in the sides. The bag doesn't get stuck. Like when the bag's full and you try and pull it out and there's like a vacuum because it's cr- trapped air underneath, that doesn't happen anymore. I never thought about it. It also has a built-in carbon filter to stop smells and a lid. And so how much is it? I think it's 300 oh it's my the God. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> so much money. I think this thing is great. Whether or not I would ever go spend my own money on it is a different question. It's pretty expensive, and the thing to me is like it's hard to justify spending a lot of money on anything with garbage in the name. Um, but I do think it's surprisingly useful. Okay, so then uh, final, the final person that we're going to talk to about uh, what he's testing is Alex George, who's our tech editor, and we are actually all drinking right now, and that is your fault. Can you explain why? So this company called Flume, F-L-O-O-M-E, has this new breathalyzer, and it works by plugging into the headphone jack in your phone. It doesn't require a battery or anything like that. And as I understand, as I was pitched it, it has, up until now, breathalyzers have been kind of dangerously inaccurate, meaning they're so far off from what a policeman will read on you that they don't even recommend consumers get one. But this apparently it has the same hardware as the one that the cop is going to give you before he you know, throws you over the hood of his car. And it has an app that goes with it. And the app has all this stuff that you always see with these things where you can be social with it, call a cab, share your BAC with your friends. <laughs> Just for the one feature that it does by itself, it's kind of a hoot at a party. If you pull this out, you hand it to different people, and everyone's like, oh, I can't believe that. And you kind of get an assessment of everybody in the room and how much they've had. It's kind of fun that way. <laughs> and now it is time for Are You Handy? The Breathalyzer Edition. Um, I'm going to be answer. I'm going to be asking questions that were designed by Roy Berenson, the handiest person in our office, and we are going to have all three of our associate editors uh, buzz in and try to answer it one at a time. If they are correct, then they do not have to drink. If they are wrong, they have to take two big swigs of whichever beer they are drinking, and we have two different strengths. Uh, and if they are, uh, if if they're correct, or and you don't, or you don't answer, or whatever happens, if you don't answer, you have to take one big swig of beer. Um, and then at the end, we're going to breathalyze ourselves and see how this, how, how what happened. Okay, so well, there's there's two ways to win the there's two ways to win this game. One way to win this game is to have the lowest blood alcohol content at the end, as measured by our breathalyzer. And the other way to win is by actually being the handiest person uh, in this room right now. Okay, some of these questions are hard. This first, we're going to start with an easy one. Is it better to cut your lawn so the grass is shorter or longer? Ding. Okay, is that that's the whole, ma- wait, is ma- that the whole ma- question? Ma- that's the whole question. Longer. Long, okay, why? Uh, because you cut it too short, it, like you're closer to the root, and you don't get enough like surface area for the grass to catch sunlight. And all that. that is correct. That yeah. is correct. All right, you two. Oh. All right, everybody so else. So out of my league, I can already tell. 
All right, this one is a little hard, so uh, so good luck, guys. What does this signify if you see it on the side of a box of nails? 8D. D is stands for penny, like you would say penny if you're saying that out loud, and I believe it's a diameter size, so it's kind of like the gauge of like a, a bullet or something. Right, yeah, that's correct. Um, everybody else. Very nice. <laughs> Doopsie, um, that's great. D actually, so I learned this today, D actually stands for denarius, um, which was the Roman coin. Uh, in England in the 1400s, the penny size was the price in pennies of 100 nails of that size, but they were talking about 240 pennies in a pound, which is actually 120 nails, so it's like an extreme math problem that I will not be getting into. Um, but yes, eight, uh, that's correct, eight penny nails. True or false, octane is a measure of how powerful a blend of gasoline is. Ding. Maculay. True. False. Sorry. Is it Everybody. the amount of ethanol? Uh, <clears throat> no. Also, also drink. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know. Obviously, the answer is false. Drink can't like. Yeah. it's false, but he he still managed to be wrong. <laughs> the answer was. Alan George is like, I would just like to be wrong. Please, can I buzz in? <laughs> also, I don't. This is not quite a handy question. I would say, <laughs> if I could argue. Also, I just want to know what powerful means, because. Well, can you tell us what it is? Um, well, like a, for the auto podcast, if you ask me. But. By the way, you guys were the ones in high school who went to the teacher and said, oh, the question was not correctly phrased. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she had to say, okay, it means this. And yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we're really... Semantics. Are, are this fair, is yeah. really semantics. Semantic. semantics. Is it rate purity? Um, yeah, yes, basically. Well, sort of. Um, it's a, it's a um, octane amount. Indi it's a, indicates how well the gas resists, resists the tendency to ignite before um, oh, okay. it should in the combustion chamber. Um, which is so yeah, it's like purity. It basically uh, like screws up your engine and just causes um, build up and that kind of stuff. So that's why you want to use nicer ones for nicer cars or higher octane for nicer cars. Yeah. Okay. Last question. I think I think this one's easy, but uh, we'll see. What branch of home improvement is related to Ohm's law? Ding. Macaulay. Uh, like electricity. Yes. Um, it relates current. Uh, Ohm's law relates current to voltage and resistance. Can I guess what it is? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, go ahead. Is it, uh, so power, which I think you'd measure in watts, is current times voltage? Ooh, see Amps now, times voltage? It's, uh, it's voltage divided by resistance is current. Oh, well, that, was, that was probably right. Okay, so uh, that's our quiz. I, I'm going to go ahead and say, I, I think, uh, think Maculay won, actually. I think. Yeah. Yay, Maculay. And now I get to keep my job, guys. And now we get to see who uh, who blows the high or who blows the lowest. <laughs> who, who blows? Let's <laughs> see who blows. Now we get to see who uh, who has the highest and lowest blood alcohol content. Uh, Kevin is blowing into it right now. Oh my God! It's lighting up. It yeah, yeah. Okay, wait. So okay. Test failed. <clears throat> so it is a. This is this little attachment is attached to Alex's phone. And you, it has a little mouthpiece that you blow into, and it looks like when you blow into it, uh, when you're when it's ready, it lights up. Correct. Yeah, it's still a beta version of the app, so it's a little. Here we go. The sound is. Okay, so yeah, it's like blinking, flashing right now. Ooh. Wow, point one one. Oh my God, you're already at point one one. How many years? This have you actually is pretty frightening. <laughs> I've had no one way. and a half. There's no way that's true. You Let's, well, it's I'm just doing a scientific repeat. Yeah, let's do it again. Now hey, it says .06. Okay. That could be problematic if it's saying these two different things. Let's try it again. One more time. Let's, yeah, third time. Let's try it. <laughs> oh, 
Okay, I think we've got it. It's about point zero four for both of us. And you guys if are we about need the same to drive size. a special needs school bus or anything, we are <clears throat> fine right now. I mean, have you guys had the same si- type of beers and amount? Like what? No, Alex had. I've had one Yingling and one half of a dogfish head. Okay, and Alex. Two dogfish head. Okay, so. Sixty minute <clears throat> IPA. Yeah. And I've had so. one and a half dogfish head and a big lunch. <laughs> oh yeah, so. that would affect it too. I mean, right. there's, there's like so many things. Yeah. That would affect it. Like I didn't have my regular 3 p.m. snack. I had <laughs> two, two peanut butter cookies. So. Yeah, I had a brownie. Pain <laughs> 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 works, apparently. Um, okay, so just, just to wrap up, uh, I'm going to ask everybody uh, kind of your impression of your thing, whether you would, uh, whether you would buy it or not. Um, let's start with Macoulay. Would you buy and wear your bracelet that you have been using? If I were a different kind of person, Yes. I like uh, if I if I had a motorcycle, and a backyard. Yes. Yes. Yeah. All right, because you could just use it whenever you needed it. And right. It could be on you. Right. All right. And if my wrists were a little bit bigger, <laughs> you wouldn't be publicly. <laughs> do some like, yeah, some forearm exercises, and then maybe I'd. <laughs> You're looking at rock climbing. I hear that that's good for your forearm. <clears throat> uh, Kevin Dupsick, would you use your trash can that you have been using? Uh, I like using it. I don't think I can justify that cost, but if there was a version designed not for MoMA Design Store patrons, I think I could see myself buying it. Yeah. It seems like it'd be really cool. I don't think I would ever pay $300 for a trash can, but, but it, no. seems, it seems very cool. Yeah. Um, and then Alex George, uh, I know this is a beta version, but uh, what do you think so far of your uh, breathalyzer? Novelty factor, very high. Would I mention the measurement that you got to the guy who pulled you over? Probably not. I don't think it's going to hold up. Um, but it is kind of fun. And it doesn't require a battery, which I think is a smart idea. Right. Um, great. Well, uh, thank you guys all for being here and for uh, drinking, with, drinking with me on our podcast um, and playing this incredibly embarrassing How Are You Handy quiz. What do I win? <laughs> And that's our show. We'd like to thank Sarah Bentley and Andy Bowers from Panoply and Popular Mechanics Editor-in-Chief Ryan D'Agostino. If you'd like to see links to any of the products we talked about on today's show, you can find them on our website at popularmechanics.com podcast. Please subscribe to our show on iTunes where you can leave a comment if you like. We'd love to know what you think of the show. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. <laughs>